Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for joining us here on this program as we bring you New Paradigms for a New World on uh, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. We are also on Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, uh, with a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We hope you will join us for that broadcast as well. And we encourage you to go to our podcasts, which are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, other locations that you folks are reposting our programs to. And we're on YouTube. And the YouTube channel, Richard Dugan, Tell Me Your Story. Just look for the guy with the hat. And we also hope that if this resonates with you and you would like to become part of what we are doing here and you'd like to support us financially, we are always grateful for the support that we get. And we hope that you will help us out in that regard and do what you can. That's why we have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. We also ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, spending time going within, listening to that still small voice and finding that quiet, peaceful place where you can just kind of relax, take it easy, re-energize, rejuvenate, and uh, we hope that you will participate in all of that, even while you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. Our program today, I think, uh, is uh, going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be jumping on the old surfboard metaphorically speaking yes indeed and we're going to be talking with our special guest about a spiritual journey through the heart of the universe that's right we're going uh traveling through the cosmos uh and we're going to be doing that with anthony teresi and he is our guest thank you so much for joining us on the program today it's great to have you with us oh my pleasure thank you for having me I am uh, uh, looking forward to this, uh, especially considering the subject matter. It is uh, a subject that a lot of people are trying to figure out. And when we talk about the universe, <clears throat> are we talking about that which we refer to as the infinite, uh, that we pull out our telescopes and we're looking at uh, the astro astronomical uh, events that are going on in the world today? Uh, or is this something more uh metaphysical more spiritual more esoteric it's both uh we definitely do travel through the physical cosmos uh and on our journey uh we travel also deep within our personal universe as well uh interestingly you mentioned that still small voice within in your opening and this is exactly where we start from or we start from uh, proceeding to inspire the reader to find that still small voice and to uh, voyage from that point forward. We enter into five different states of consciousness, transformational, transcendent, the cosmic, where we do uh, experience uh, the actual cosmos. We uh, then transfer into the divine consciousness and then into universal unity, which is the ultimate uh, crux of the book. So we start out looking to attract the reader to the merits of discovering their own inner light. And from that point forward, 
we look to expand that light through these dimensions of consciousness. Now you uh, dedicate your book to your brother who left too soon, but found a, a, an incredible way to say goodbye. Tell us about your brother and that incredible way that he said goodbye. In a number, a number of years ago, um, my brother and I, my brother and I were very close. We were only 14 months apart, actually. And uh, he was flying his plane uh, down to Peru, um, where he had business holdings. And he got blown off course um, somewhere this side of Acapulco around the Zihuataneo Ixtapa area. Uh, and we lost uh, the, the Acapulco airport, lost sight of him. So um, about a month went by, we didn't hear from him, which wasn't unusual, but I, after a while we became concerned. So uh, I flew down to Mexico uh, to initiate a search to see what happened. Uh, they lost sight of him on the radar. The indications were that his plane had crashed. I was there for almost a month uh, and I hired guides. I went into every possible road in the jungle that uh, was available. We uh, went into every province uh, surrounding about a 50 to 60 mile radius, dangerous parts of the world, I might add. And uh, I was uh, aided by a missionary uh, who knew the language, knew the people, and was extremely helpful in terms of getting us through, uh, again, some dangerous parts of the world. Uh, at the end of all that, I was absolutely uh, empty-handed. I had no clue. There were no uh, indications that anyone had seen or heard anything. There were a lot of indications of other planes that had crashed. And unfortunately, uh, we had to look at many of those crash sites, which was not fun. But nonetheless, it was not a brother's plane. Sitting in my hotel room the last night in uh, there uh, in Mexico, having uh, uh, really frustrating, deep emotional difficulty with the fact that I was going to go back to my family uh, and tell them that I had been unsuccessful. That uh, there was no indication of anything. Hmm. At that point, uh, in the midst of my sorrow, in the midst of this uh, tragic event, an amazing event occurred. My brother actually came to me, came to me in that moment. Uh, it was as if the room lit up uh, to, in the most brilliant colors I had ever seen. Mm. ever in my entire life and uh, his physical form uh, shone through. It, it was not that he was standing in the room. He was someplace else entirely, but it was beautiful. And the look on his face was amazing. And he told me that he uh, had crashed and that uh, likely his plane would not be found. And he had hung around to let me know that he uh, wanted me to tell everyone that he loved them and, and that he was moving on. And I was both, I was shattered. I was both ecstatic with joy and uh, 
uh, I can't even uh, speak to words. It's a very emotional moment, even after all this time. In either case, we had this amazing visit, uh, and, and I could see that wherever he was going, and he didn't really indicate that, but wherever he was going and whatever was happening, he was absolutely thrilled with that. So there was no sorrow on his part, uh, other than the fact that he was leaving behind his family who loved him very much. So the entire episode lasted, we said goodbye, and that uh, was it. The light closed, and I was just left sitting there, uh, tears streaming down my face, my whole body shaking. Uh, and that was my first uh, in, uh, experience with the parting of the veil, whatever you want to call it, the fact that there are multi-dimensional realities that exist beyond our everyday sight and sound that we hear with our eyes. I don't know where at that moment I was perceiving this experience. As I look back, I feel that it was from a higher point of consciousness that was not necessarily centered in my body, uh, in my spirit, in my aura. Uh, hard to tell. I just know that uh, it changed my life forever. Well, it takes us into an area that we talk about a great deal on this program and that has to do with uh not it's it's what we call the afterlife we call it the you know the veil uh, we call it the other side uh i'm i'm beginning to understand that there is no other side uh it's just our ability or inability to perceive uh, those who have left their bodies, uh, left the body, transitioned, and so forth, uh, and that we are, we are immortal, that we always have been, and it's that which am, am, <laughs> animates us that is immortal. Uh, and, and so it's really interesting to have this conversation with someone who has experienced someone very close to them, in, in this case, of course, your brother, who uh, has it has made a profound uh, difference as well as it sounds to me like it made a big change in your life, uh, that you were probably going in what, in one direction? And then when this happened, everything shifted, everything, you may not have done a 180, but it certainly sent you off in another direction. Am I correct? To a certain extent, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, at that point, I was a musician uh, pursuing a musical career, and it completely changed my perceptions of music itself, sound, uh, the entire degree of, of frequency, and uh, put me in a position to approach music from a much higher level, a much, much uh, more expanded uh, degree and actually hastened my ability to a uh, number of years later, uh, master my instrument to the point to where um, it, it, it became evident that this was a turning point in my life, a major turning point. Well, folks, you can get a copy of his book. I have it here. I have my copy. I hope you get yours uh, by going to his website. And uh, Anthony, tell us, 
uh, what your is it? Uh, tell us what your website is and some of the things that they will find there. In addition to obviously uh, being able to order a copy of your book through the usual places, Amazon and and so forth. Well, I am by trade at this point uh, in my career uh, a psychic visionary. I do readings. I do uh, clairvoyant readings in which I use this very degree of vision uh, to assist people. I also use astrology, of which I'm a master of. I use uh, uh, tarot, which is a profound oracle. Uh, many people don't understand how deeply the, the, the tarot goes. And uh, I perform uh, healing, vibrational healings uh, in person. I have an office in Thousand Oaks. And um, I also talk to people on the phone and, of course, through Zoom these days, uh, uh, all from all over the world. And I've been in uh, this, this level of my career, I've been doing for about 27 years or so. Mm -hmm. And um, I have a beautiful following of people that have been with me for many years. And I'm always attracting new people as well. And um, that was one of the intentions of uh, this book, which I'll get to down the road. But uh, that's what you will find on my site. You will find the uh, kinds of readings that I do. You will find testimonials of people that I've read for. Um, and you will also find abil uh, the ability to log directly into Amazon and purchase a copy of my book. I encourage people to always investigate our guests and, <clears throat> and go to their website. And again, that website address is? AnthonyTeresi.com, just my oh. name.com. Tough one to figure out, folks. Uh, we'll be linked to it, of course, as always with all of our guests. Anthony, A-N-T-H-O-N-Y-T-E-R-E-S-I.com. We're talking about a journey, a spiritual journey through the heart of the universe. I am being introduced more and more, Anthony, <clears throat> after having a conversation with my eldest sister, uh, to this subject of transitioning, and because this is a this is a big one for us humans, it's a tough one for us humans. Uh, we don't seem to be able to sort of ma master, okay, uh, the art of getting through this. And yet, I've seen I don't know if you ever saw this documentary on death and dying, where this 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 team documentary team traveled around the world to different places to experience and record how people dealt with death and dying. Uh, Ireland is one place where I think they went. And of course you have your typical wake that goes on for about a week and, you know, people come in and there's the body lying in state in the home for a week. Uh, there was one where uh, there was this, um, a tribe, uh, I want to say down in South America and uh, they were allowed to come in, explain what they were doing. And they were told, you may stay. However, there will be one, at one point, we will ask you to leave because it will not be safe for you and your team. And only because it's at that point, they go through those stages where they were going to get very physical and or aggressive, not necessarily hurting anybody, but someone could be hurt through this particular process. Uh, but we go through that. I remember when a dear friend of mine passed away and my wife and I were laying in bed the next day after just total exhaustion. And I, I sat up. I was just I was mad. 
I couldn't believe how angry I was. What about, and now you, you've expressed some very interesting emotions regarding your brother's passing. Was there a moment where you were angry at his leaving? How could you, you know, kind of thing? Well, not really. Quite frankly, I was more frustrated at the fact that I didn't have an answer one way or another. Uh, but your comments about death and dying are interesting um, because from that point on, and as a child growing up in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, my family attended many funerals of which I was compelled to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, it always troubled me because, um, you know, looking into the casket at a dead body was like traumatic, right? Yeah. After the experience with my brother, I remember going to a funeral and it hit me. I looked in and I asked myself, okay, here is my friend. What is missing? And of course, what was missing was the spirit, the animating form, the uh, personality, if you will, of that individual. All that was left behind was the shell that was, had been animated. And so from that point forward, uh, it never really bothered me again. And to this day, I've been asked to come to uh, funerals and wakes and blessings. And I try to make this point that th this is a transition. This is a movement from one dimension to another. Mm -hmm. There is no finality. Energy just reconstitutes itself into a different form. And often that um, conversation is uh, beneficial and sometimes it's not. Uh, but for me, in terms of my uh, experience, that's how I look at it. When you look into the casket, what's missing? Is John or Jane uh in that body i don't think so ripping waves is the title of the book anthony teresi is my guest anthony why why waves does that have something to do with physics or quantum physics where they've been arguing is it a particle or is it a wave you know <laughs> well it does uh because it is a wave everything is uh waves frequency uh, vibrational frequency waves uh, and consciousness is no different. Uh, the dimensions that I speak of in the book are just that. There are higher levels of frequency that contain uh, within their own structure the beings that are relevant to that frequency. Uh, and uh, at this particular point, we are seeing, interestingly enough, we are seeing a convergence or perhaps a confluence of ancient wisdom, uh, which the Vedas, the Upanishads, uh, even back as far as uh, Egypt, uh, mm -hmm. they had the, the Book of the Dead, where uh, the soul traveled on afterwards. Today, we're seeing quantum physics uh, defining the field uh, from that standpoint. Anyway, uh, it's from my point of view, the early stages, I think they're going to find more and more. Uh, but these are elements that show, <laughs> it, it's interesting to note, but we are almost totally, completely space uh, as our beings. Mm -hmm. My best example that I could give you, I don't, I'm sure you've been to a fair or someplace where you've seen the person doing the uh, blowing up the balloons and making uh, a dog or a castle or whatever. Um, and you look at that and you see, okay, oh, that's the dog. But what is it really? 
It's nothing. It's made of air. It's made of a thin little skin of a balloon, which is the minute part, but it's filled with hydrogen and oxygen. And that's what we are. We are uh, that uh, uh, vibrational frequency that holds these trillions of atoms together into our own little universe. Uh, and there is no solidity to anything, really. Mm. Very interesting. I. I know that, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I've watched a lot of science fiction and um, I have uh, uh, heard different terminologies for the human body. Uh, I, I forget which one was. I can't remember the science fiction program. It may have even been Star Trek. Ugly bags of mostly water. I love that one. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah. Of course, I've heard it said that we wear this neat suit. I think I like ugly bags of mostly water better. <laughs> uh, it's referred to as a shell, a vehicle, and so forth. And I even talk with people about this concept, and I say, okay, well, let me ask you something. Um, how many vehicles have you owned, those with the four wheels or two, uh, and how many have you traded in for the next level or the upgrade or just a new one that worked better or worked at all? Well, if we believe in reincarnation, and it seems that uh, most of the ancient wisdom teachings, if not all, talk about this, that's all we're doing is we're just trading in the one that's worn out for a new one, a new model uh, with all of the upgrades, all of the new technology, if you will, you know. Um, and yet we're still, you know, it's still the vehicle seems to occupy a lot of our attention. And maybe rightly so. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts in that regard? Do we, do we pay too much attention to the vehicle? Well, I don't, um, I don't think we can pay too much attention to it because I think the idea or the whole premise of having this body is to find that door within us, basically, which is the animating force, the place where source comes into our body and, and animates it uh, directly. Mm -hmm. But at this stage of evolution, we are, as you say, uh, mostly bags of water. Uh, we are uh, defined by our ability to overcome the uh, electrochemical reactions that we have, the rush of adrenaline, the seeking of dopamine, for example, the pleasure uh, pain principle. And we're scattered hither and yon uh, uh, by these motivations. My feeling is, is that traveling on, we lose these bodies and we continue to maintain uh, a, a presence and an awareness that is much more elevated and brings in far greater degrees of, uh, of elements that we are able to work with on our uh, continual journey. So I think this is a stage along the way. Uh, and one of the things I do in my book is I, I, I do my best to inspire the reader to find that place within, which is pure love. If you find that place within from where you uh, can willfully uh, create your own destiny, willfully create your own vision, you are living your life from the inside out, then your body is your tool. If you don't do that, if you're defining yourself by the outside in, then you're a chicken with his head cut off. Mm. 
We're talking with Anthony Teresi. Ripping Waves is the title of the book. It's a spiritual journey. And we hope that you will uh, go to anthonyteresi.com. As I said, we will be linked to his website. Uh, now, <clears throat> musician, you mentioned the fact that uh, you're a musician. What type of instrument do you play? Because you, talk you talked about uh, working with this instrument uh, for, for some time. I played, uh, started off playing drums and percussion. Uh, I went on to uh, invent, create vibrational uh, healing instruments, which I used later in my career. I also play synthesizer and I do have a background in uh, regular music as well as uh, microtonal music. Um, and uh, music has been uh, the vehicle upon which I was able to reach that stage of mastery. Uh, and I'm not Yogananda, and I'm not uh, someone like, I'm not purporting myself to be that. I'm just saying this has been my experience. Mm -hmm. I've been blessed, blessed to be able to have this experience, to be able to affect people. And in the process, I have been able to hone and refine my psychic and intuitive abilities through music which I have been able to use uh, to move onward in my life. So I've had three separate careers, well, actually two careers, but three separate modes of uh, transformation, music, these eight limbs of yoga, which I've practiced my entire life. Most people these days think of yoga as postures. It's so much greater than that. Uh, and then of course, uh, uh, the psychic metaphysical world. Uh, I mean, again, I've been very, very fortunate and blessed, I feel, to have been able to have the time and the motivation and the curiosity to follow these elements through and create what for me has been a moving front of, of evolution through this lifetime. He's a psychic visionary, along with being a clairvoyant author, master astrologer, tarot reader, Teacher and guide, you have some interesting symbols on your website. I would like for you, if you wouldn't mind, you've got one that almost looks like the Star of David, but then it has another image on the inside of that. What, what can you describe that one? Have I, if I've given you a sufficient description there? Yeah, they're uh, uh, artistic renderings of the Platonic solids uh, and uh, the sacred geometry. Um, it's hard to represent them on a two-dimensional plane. Mm. So we did the best we could as far as like their meanings. But um, in many instances, I believe the one you're speaking of is a symbolic a representation of the saying, as above, so below, uh, which uh, shows uh, that we are in the reflection part of the causation part. I don't want to get too technical, but sure. um, that's what these symbols represent. <clears throat> Pardon me. So um, when you're giving a, a, a reading to someone, and I know that there's, oh, for, for some folks, there's a lot of criticism when it comes to that, um, in terms of <clears throat> asking questions that draw out answers that then they dive, they derive their comments uh, from, the mediums do. And yet everyone I've ever been to has never done that to me. They, you know, it's, uh, I am actually directed, it's like when I was doing what's called life between lives uh, therapy uh, and hypnosis, I wasn't guided to any particular place. I was asked 
what I was seeing, what I was hearing, smelling, tasting, et cetera, et cetera. Is that your, uh, is that your method? Because um, the person is really the one that has the answers. You're, I, I look at it as you are a person who basically just confirms what I already know. I just, I'm not trusting myself yet enough to, to accept that. It's a very interesting question. Um, it's the opposite of what I'm doing now, what I'm doing a reading. Here on your show, thanks again for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I am talking about myself. I'm talking about the things I do. I'm talking about my book. I'm talking about, this is a very personal experience for me, which I truly enjoy. When I do a reading, it is completely the opposite. I turn my attention 180 focus entirely on my client and I bring all of my skills and abilities to bear in terms of what their issues are. I always give my clients an opportunity to ask questions, but I also hasten to add, you don't have to say a thing if you don't want to. uh, And and we can begin and you can stop me along the way. uh, You know, if I'm not uh, telling you something that um, is accurate. And uh, I've had very, very, very few times when we have not completed the reading. Of course, when people come in, they do have certain issues. They, they want to know about their marriage. They want to know about their career with their children. And so I always give them an opportunity because time goes by fast. I mean, if I'm talking to someone for an hour, it does seem to go by almost like, you know, before you know it. And I always want to make sure that my client leaves with the most pertinent information that is going to help them. Now, in terms of your comments about confirming, that is often true, no doubt about that. But we are also able to delve deeper. We are able to see, for example, not just the client's life, but other lives that they are concerned and are uh, involved with, spouses, children, lovers, bosses, uh, co-workers, uh, friends, et cetera, et cetera. So again, we are able to utilize uh, these skills uh, to help them see uh, and answer questions or to, to warn the individuals uh, ahead of time, should they ask, uh, you know, about what to uh, avoid and what path to follow. I never, ever tell anyone what to do. I tell them what happens if they go down path A. I tell them what happens if they go down path B. The choice is always there. And that is something that I find interesting, too, in regards to my Vedic astrologer friend, David Hawthorne, uh, who shares uh, insights with uh, both uh, uh, our our listeners. We've had some programs where we've had uh, people calling in uh, when we were doing the program live, and, and he would give them insight. And I always viewed it as, uh, a roadmap uh, that is going to tell you what conditions you may encounter along your path. And that if, for example, rain is going to be in the forecast uh, 125 miles down the road on this map, you, you can have an umbrella with you or uh, a rain slicker or poncho. You don't have to, but that's what may be there. And so you can protect yourself from the rain by doing this or this or this. And that's kind of the way that we, we look at it. And so when we're talking about tapping into 
And I guess that may be the next question I should ask you. What is it that you're tapping into? Consciousness with intuition as the vehicle that bypasses the mere mental processes. Uh, When I am uh, tapping into, in a reading, what I'm tapping into is the great ocean of consciousness that surrounds all things. Uh, I don't uh, give much credence to uh, thought in, in those circumstances. The only reason I use, I even use my mind in those uh, situations is to be able to com- communicate what I'm experiencing. I, I'm a primarily a clairvoyant and a visionary. I see pictures, I see imagery, I can see a person's uh, entire circumstance in one view. Uh, often I tell my clients that and they look at me like, uh, are you crazy? Well, uh, and uh, uh, I tell them no, and then I tell them what I'm seeing. And then I'm, uh, at that particular point, it's a, uh, we, we move forward from there. So consciousness is the stuff that our reality is made up of. We're going to find that uh, as we go on, we're going to find that the field that is so often referenced to at this particular point is the fabric of consciousness. And the things that exist in the field are the expressions and the emanations of consciousness. If you can tap into that, and by the way, music was the most instrumental force in putting me in the position to be able to tap into this without using my mind. One of the mastery elements of music was the ability to sit in the moment without any thought whatsoever and create uh, from the sheer force of my uh, uh, artistic will. I didn't think much about it at all. I was in that pocket in that moment. I've been able to transfer those skills into my uh, reading and uh, psychic uh, career uh, with pretty much the same degree of accuracy, uh, if not more. So uh, it's it all goes hand in hand. AnthonyTeresi.com is the website. Anthony Teresi is my guest. He's written uh, Rippling Waves. I was mispronouncing that. Rippling Waves, a spiritual journey through the heart of the universe. Uh, This is uh, one of the uh, wonderful things that you can find at his website, AnthonyTeresi.com. You can see forever is a piece of music that's available. It's a collection, actually, of six highly impressionistic works composed by Anthony. Uh, blending the medium of music, vision, uh, prose, as well as sound magic. I want to talk about that as well. And each of the six uh, uh, pieces, each of the six pieces of music found on this CD have a a corresponding story vision. Talk to me, first of all, because there are a couple things uh, there, just in that one paragraph. Sound magic, what is that? Sound magic is not your voodoo, hin, you know, kind of dancing around the fire. Oh, sound right. magic! <laughs> <laughs> sound magic is that ability to transfer a story into vibrational frequency that the listener can relate to both visually and viscerally, as far as how they're feeling the music. It's really that simple. Mm. And story vision sounds sort of self-explanatory, but 
explain it. <laughs> Story vision uh, and the way that I had composed uh, the pieces is I wrote the small little allegories of first. And then I went about the task of creating the music to reflect uh, vibrationally what the story was saying so that a person could read the story, listen to the music and have these two ends of the scale to relate to. This is what the music is, is sounding like. And this is the reason it's sounding like that because it's reflecting this storyline. And it is right out of the future past where music and imagination combine with magic to create the most vivid displays possible, the ones in the heart, mind, soul, and soul of creation, of all creation, actually. It's really, to me, uh, incredible in that sound and music have been also a mainstay of the past 13 and a half years of this radio program, but of my life in general. Uh, and I have met some incredible people. I had the great pleasure of uh, narrating the DVD, a story of Royal Raymond Rife, who created the Rife Frequency Generator. I also met a gentleman by the name of Stephen Lewis, who had the MC Square machine. Uh, I've also had on this program many times, along with Stephen, uh, I also had Jonathan Goldman, uh, who has been involved with music therapy. There have been a number of women, forgive me, I, I, I'm trying not, not to be sexist here, who have also <laughs> been very involved, a, a violinist who, sadly, she was in a car accident and lost her ability to play, but no. still is extremely knowledgeable. Uh, Erica Miller is her name. Uh, and um, we ha haven't had her on in a while. I should get her back on. But this whole aspect of sound and vibration uh, and that even though our physical bodies, if I am correct in my assessment here, has a vibration, a tone, if you will, the different parts of our bodies also have different vibrations. So we must have all kinds of harmonics going on at all times, uh, emanating, so to speak, from the physical form in that regard. Is that, is that about right? That's absolutely right. And uh, that's a point that I've been making through my entire tour here and you've hit right upon it. Uh, not, only it not only is our body itself a, a symphony of, of music, um, but that's the basis for what will be uh, future healing. For example, if someone were to be having heart problems, uh, in the not too distant future, they won't go see a heart specialist. They will go to a uh, vibrational healer. That healer will be able to uh, intonate uh, or uh, vibrate uh, the uh, heart that is not functioning properly back to its original state of vitality and functionality in perfect order. And that person will leave totally healed in that moment. That's how vibration works. That's how frequency works. And that, of course, extends to all areas of the body. So we are looking literally over the next 30 to 40 years at the end of medicine as we know it, as far as taking chemicals and really polluting our body. 
and uh, this high degree of quote unquote maintenance that the pharmaceutical companies are, are striving for. And we were looking, we will be looking at cure and the truth of abundant health. Um, I never get sick. I have not been sick in my, uh, my adult life. I tell people that and they look at me, oh, well, you must have had a cold or something along the way. Not had a cold, <laughs> never been sick. And I personally know that abundant life is our birthright. And the only time we ever get sick is when we are out of tune, out of vibration. So you your, have, your, your observation is completely correct. If you're interested in getting in touch with Anthony, you can do so through his website as well as 818-430-8606, 818-430-8606. Uh, I won't bother to give the email address out. It's rather complicated. So we'll just leave it. <laughs> go to his website. Uh, and go to the page that uh, talks about rippling waves, anthonyteresi.com, and uh, find out more. As I said, we will be linked to your website as well. want to ask you a little bit more about uh, everything has vibration, and so does light. Uh, so is it more, uh, you know, you've heard this, this saying, oh my gosh, I, I, I can hear color. I can hear. Uh, um, I can hear color, and I can. Uh, how is it like? They can hear uh, uh, colors with their ears, and they can see sound with their eyes. Is is sort of the saying? Is that actually kind of true? Because if everything is vibrating, it's just the instruments we're using, i.e., our eyes and ears, that allow us to actually perceive the vibrations in, in the forms that we do? Well, uh, the answer is twofold. There is a term for what you're describing is uh, synesthete. And it's, <laughs> it's classified as a neurological disorder in which a person is able to see uh, both sound and taste color. Uh, I have found it to be one of the most exciting parts of my adventure that I've ever been able to experience. So I'm, saddened I know I, fact, I'm saddened by the fact that it's referred to as a disorder. I am too. Pretty I cool. really am too. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, it, it's these kinds of things that are pretty telltale when you have a person who is able to have literally what is exp an expanded perception uh, and be classified as uh, crazy. Mm -hmm. But to answer your question, Everything is vibration. A, a flower vibrates at a certain color. A musical tone vibrates at a certain frequency. Uh, everything vibrates. And at some particular point, if your consciousness rises and expands and develops, these things begin to blend together. In my book, in uh, chapter two, I write about uh, ethereal artists who co create their canvases and the colors rise up off the canvases and dance, dance uh, their dance uh, uh, in front of the uh, traveler. I write about ethereal art, uh, uh, musicians who compose uh, vast choirs by the sheer power of their will. No choirs uh, there, just the uh, uh, power of the will. So again, my point is, is that yes, uh, at some particular point, uh, vibration does come together 
and does uh, put us in a position to be able to, if we want to, to be able to experience simultaneously uh, certain parts of our senses on an expanded level. As a uh, as a psychic visionary, have you uh, and and this I don't know if this goes without asking. Uh, is this part of what would be considered channeling? And if not, have you ever channeled? I don't channel. Uh, uh, I just don't. Uh, I don't like uh, the connotation of that. Uh, it indicates that there's someone else besides myself uh, present. And while there fact, in fact may be celestial presence, there may be angelic presence, there may be higher presence surrounding uh, me and my activities, et cetera, et cetera. They are not me. I am a sovereign being. I operate from my own sovereign spirit, my own inner light. And I welcome all assistance from the ethers and from consciousness and from all the angelic presence that exists in the world. And I bring it in as often as I can, but I'm not a channeler. Uh, uh, I, I don't uh, have much uh, to say on that. Okay. Don't have, don't have much use for that in that respect. I, and I understand that. Uh, and at the same time, the information that you share within the pages of your book uh, is information that can be considered uh, along the categories of more esoteric, more metaphysical. I got into a big uh, conversation and, and uh, challenged quite heavily when I used the word metaphysical to describe the Christian philosophy back when I was working for the uh, Christian radio station in Phoenix. And I said, do you even know what the definition of the word is? And of course, they looked at me dumbfounded. I says, it means beyond the physical. That's all it means. All and, it means. Yeah. And all of, all of these philosophies deal with that which is beyond the physical, even though they may speak of the material world and, and this and that and the other thing, the main thrust, if you will, the core of most all of the, 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 the major philosophies of this planet speak of that inner spiritual or vibrational life, if you will. And, uh, and, and that's really what we're talking about here with uh, Anthony uh, uh, Teresi. The book is uh, Rippling Waves. It is uh, a journey, a spiritual journey through the heart of the universe. I'm curious about something. And, I'm, and, and in the answer, you will define this for us. Where is the heart of the universe? Where will we find it? Well, first of all, you'll find it within your own self. Uh, that is the, the first, uh, first stop on the journey is uh, going within to find that uh, you are, if you travel to the very core of your being, you will find that you are pure source love. Your source can be referred to in many ways. God, spirit, whatever the case may be, you can call it whatever you want. I call it source because it takes in all connotations, but seriously, you can't name it. But what you can name is the degree of love that animates your body. We talked a moment ago about what's missing when you go to a funeral. That's what's missing, that light of love that is in the core of your being. Uh, this is the doorway. This is what's referred to as the gateless gauge that we travel through to reach 
higher and higher levels of the expression of love because the entire universe, the universe of universes and all things that exist, if you take it back to one simple and one singular motivation, that motivation can be summed up in love. This is what our journey expresses. We go through the various dimensions and at each stage, we define and redefine what that is within our own heart. And by redefining it along each chapter, we are able to take the next step. Hmm. Well, Anthony, I, I am have always been fascinated by conversations such as this. What are your impressions of many of the uh, symbols within uh, some of the philosophies that are out there specifically, of course, and I was born and raised uh, Roman Catholic. I also had the great pro- uh, pleasure and privilege, I, uh, to be honest with you, that's how I look at it, of being uh, introduced to, to uh, the Eastern Rite of the Catholic Church, the Byzantine Rite, uh, which was still under uh, the Pope at that time. And uh, the, the, the ritual and the ceremony, the symbolism uh, has always and still to this day intrigues me. And when I see and experience the same kinds of things through other philosophies, whether it be Hinduism or the Muslim faith or, or Buddhism uh, or, or whatever it may be, uh, I, am, I, am actually, I am moved by the fact that they are taking the time to, to uh, pay honor and homage to whatever it is that they're taking the time to do that with. I mean, and, and uh, you know, it's almost as if when you, if you go hunting, for example, and you're doing this for food, you need to do the same kind of, you, there's got to be a ritual that you need to perform to show respect, to show honor and say, thank you for allowing me to continue my life through yours, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, talk to uh, us a little bit about some of the, the symbolism that actually transcends some of these. I mean, you, you, there's, I, I know too that there's sort of a sacred geometrical construct or foundation amongst all of these things? Well, many uh, of the religions, uh, Catholicism, well, first of all, let me back up a second. What you said about the, the rich visual part of that is, is correct. Uh, I, I found being raised a Roman Catholic myself that uh, it did and does assist in being able to embrace the fact that there are there is angelic presence, there are greater uh, 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 entities and beings out there that, that are highly beneficial and love us and, and care for us. The symbology is uh, similar in many ways. We have the number three, which is the number of the Trinity, which is the number that uh, the Hindus, uh, Brahma, Shiva, Vishnu, uh, which uh, is the number of the Kabbalah, uh, the Kabbalah uh, which is the basic uh, uh, instinct of that. And on and on, there are the, the number three represents uh, many uh, of the uh, religions and what they base there. And it's a very esoteric number. Uh, most people don't realize it. The, um, even the uh, uh, monotheistic uh, religions base their uh, uh, philosophy on the one. Well, 
even in Catholicism, for example, the one is the three in expression. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's basically the same thing. Yeah. So we have the numbers one, three, and seven. These are the primary numbers. The next number is 12, and that's where it really opens up. That's where you start to see astrology. That's where you start to see uh, the definition of the circle, 360 degrees. Where'd that come from? I, I know from that standpoint. All of this information really flowed from the secret uh, vaults of the early Egyptian uh, uh, priests, and they got it from the uh, civilizations that existed prior to that, uh, which existed prior to Samaria. So all of that has been passed down. One more thought on that. Even though humanity has crashed and burned many times throughout the course of the ages and had to rebuild itself from scratch, Mm -hmm. the interesting thing is, and Aldous Huxley uh, refers to this, as the perennial philosophy, no, no matter what, whenever uh, humanity built itself back to a point to where it could contemplate, it would always begin contemplating in one form or another, whether it be Hindu or Christian, whatever the case may be, that there's something greater, there's something higher, there's something to yearn for, there's something that we as human beings find in our hearts that enliven us, that put us in a position to feel that we are are always looking up and seeking. And that is that divine spark within us that basically is always moving us forward, always calling us home. And I think uh, that's an amazing uh, statistic when you look back uh, when Rome uh, died, uh, when Egypt, Egypt died, when all of these civilizations died, it was reborn uh, shortly thereafter in a different style, a little different uh, look to it, uh, but nonetheless, it's there and continues to be there throughout all of evolution. Well, I have to say that uh, I struggled uh, for quite some time with this whole concept of, um, as the ancient wisdom teachings tell us, uh, the aspect of where we come from and where we're going to and why in the Sam Hill we're here. You know, we start out, obviously, in one sense with the one and it's a singularity. There's no dualism. We're going to the one and there's no it's a singularity. There's no dualism, but there's dualism here. But then I began to process that a little bit further when you take a look at the cosmos and you watch it moving and crashing and burning and exploding and doing all of the things that the universe does on the on the grand macrocosmic scale, we sit there and ooh and awe. Oh my, wow, that is pretty darn cool. And you can really do the same thing with a telescope, I beg your pardon, with a microscope uh, on the subatomic level. It's the same kind of thing that's happening. And I still say, as above, so below. Uh, and yet when we look at the same kinds of things happening at this level, I call this level where you and I live, uh, uh, Anthony, the 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 uh, mid crow, <laughs> macro, mid crow, micro, uh, <laughs> and we have we have joy or we have fear, you know, uh, and uh, you know we just go from one extreme to the other, when in fact there is no dualism, it just is. The sun rises, the sun sets. It's neither good 
It's neither bad. It just is. Uh, you get rain and flood and earthquake and fire and all those things. It's neither good nor bad. We may not like it personally because it takes out our maybe our living place, space and all of our worldly possessions. But keep in mind, you can't take anything, any of that stuff with you. <laughs> no, and it just it just is. And I realize that is a. And, and living in Southern California, as we both do, and we both have been through probably a number of, of fires over the years. I've been here 15 years and I've been through probably 12 or 13 wildfires. Uh, and the first one I went through freaked me out. I was out of my mind, scared, didn't know who to call, didn't know what to do. Now I know after being through so many, I have the experience of knowing, all right, hey, uh, there's smoke. All right, here's what we're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. It just is what it is. And again, it's a learning process in, in getting there because the emotions, they, they, can, they can really get in the way of our, our rising consciousness, can't they? Well, they can either get in the way or they can be our uh, uh, telegraph that is telling us uh, where we need to shift to, uh, if we're feeling fear, we need to uh, shift to uh, either a location or a mindset of uh, safety and security. But I completely agree with you. Um, the process is the process. There, there, we, we are the meaning making machines, uh, if you will, as that, that's not my term, that's been said by someone, but uh, our lives uh, start out and continue in that regard. We make meaning out of everything. The wildfires in your area, my goodness, how could that be? It means this, it means that. It means nothing. It means that nature is burning. That's all it means uh, mm -hmm. from that standpoint. Uh, but the most important thing is what does that do for us? What do we mean to ourselves? And that's the, the part that, uh, that we're dealing with as a species right now. Our emotions uh, can run us crazy over roughshod over our life. It can make our lives miserable or it can make, it, make them beautiful. If we are able to coordinate heart and mind, which uh, is a body of work in and of itself, heart, mind, uh, coordination, mm -hmm. uh, then we put ourselves in a position to tell the mind right. uh, through emotions which chemicals we are willing to accept. I don't want my system flooded with adrenaline if I'm sitting here quietly meditating. Uh, so again, it becomes a matter of will. We are the captains of our own ship and will is our ship. Well, I tell you, it's... It is a challenge. There is no question. I mean, no question. But at the same time, if we could learn from an early age, uh, if we could, and I shared this in my last interview where we get, we're programmed. We, we lose sight of what we've always known because the adults around us who also went through the same process that they're now putting us through, that their parents or their adults put them through as children and so forth, the, the cycle continues, it perpetuates itself. Um, it, it, uh, uh, um, if we can just stop doing that, if there was just one generation that 
could not would not be diverted away from its awakenedness, if you will, as the and that's the buzzword for today. <laughs> um, then maybe we, you know, we might be able to make the necessary transition to make the necessary rises in consciousness or risings in consciousness uh, that would move us forward. Because quite honestly, I don't know about you, Anthony, but when I do look at the material world and I do look at uh, what's going on um, and let's just say, you know, from news stories and what have you, uh, what I see, and I've been here for 60 years, <clears throat> and maybe observing for the last 45 to 50 years, nothing's changed. If anything, in, in, and again, this is one perspective, it's gotten worse. Um, politically, we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back. We're not moving forward. We're going one step forward, one step back, one step forward, one step back. And it's, it's like, where is the progress? And some will say, hold up their smartphones. Well, it's right here. No, that's not what I'm talking about. How has humanity progressed? We're still surviving. How do we get to a place when we especially talk about the rippling waves of the universe? How do we get to a place of thriving? And I know that you've sort of addressed that concept, but I'll ask that question and have you maybe, you know, state it again. <laughs> Well, uh, again, it starts with us. Uh, many philosophers have said, you know, if you would change the world, wonderful. Start with yourself. Uh, change yourself. Become the change that you want to see. So, again, I make that, that case in my book. Uh, we start with finding our inner light. Once we find that inner light, a reverse action happens and we become generators of that love and light. And each person that experiences that is adding to the to totality of that. It's been said, for example, that a small trickle of clear water into a muddy pond will eventually clear that pond crystal clear from that standpoint. Mm. So if we start with ourselves and each one of us, and by the way, while, while everything you said is true, and if you look at the media, you can have that confirmed, no doubt about that. But what is not so well known is that there are thousands, over a thousand groups, uh, organized uh, groups in the world dedicated to this very task, dedicated to unifying humanity through love, dedicated to creating a circuit of love around the planet that ultimately will overcome hate. It's pretty hard to hate someone or want to go to war when you are in the, the perspective of, of your own loving self and reaching out. The thing that happens when you achieve this goal is the first thing you want to do is share it with everyone. Mm. The first thing you want to do is go out and help your neighbor. And while we may still be a ways away from there, and uh, you know, uh, the media would tell us we're a long ways away from there, but it's not true. There is a small, uh, quiet, yet powerful awakening occurring right now. And if you look closely and, uh, and put your hands over the deafening roar of what's coming out of the television and look closely, you will find organizations dedicated to doing this work in the world, dedicated to bringing humanity together. 
Uh, in the final chapter of my book, I go over this process extensively and I offer a means and a, and a way, only one way, but a, but a possibility in terms of how, how to achieve this. And uh, so I, I feel that while it's true, uh, those that are in power do not want to release power, but I also feel that love is the most powerful force in the universe. And if connected to enough people, it is irresistible. I know that Marianne Williamson ran, uh, what was it, a couple of cycles ago uh, for president. I thought it was a, a great idea, but I also thought, yeah, they're not going to take you too seriously because you're, you're off in the woo-woo stuff. Now, I say that uh, representing the group that wouldn't accept her. I think what she's got to say is fantastic. I, I just do. don't think that I just don't. Th it, it, you know what it, it brings to mind that one biblical passage render unto Caesar. What is Caesar's and to God? What is God's for Marianne Williamson to run for political office and the highest office in the land is not rendering unto God. What is God's because what she has is not for Caesar, you know, it's for the masses. It's for you. It's for me. Uh, and uh, if we want to take it back to medieval days, it's for the peasants, you know, it's not for the royalty, unless the royalty is willing to make the necessary adjustments and, and so forth and so on. If they become enlightened, if they start raising their uh, uh, consciousness, if they become, again, the buzzword awakened, as, as is being used so, so often these days. Um, what do you think about that? Do you really think that uh, the institutions, as I like to call them, um, could be, should be, would be transformed by people of like mind, such as yourself, uh, who, who would want, who should do that? Or as one of my guests said once, don't try, don't tear down the old institutions build new ones that make the old ones obsolete. Yeah, Buckminster Fuller said that. Uh, yeah. I agree with it. Uh, first of all, uh, I loved the fact that Marianne Williamson ran. I thought that uh, she, uh, like you, I agree. I don't think she really had a chance, but she introduced some great concepts. Mm -hmm. She introduced the, uh, we have a Department of War. Why don't we have a Department of Peace? You know, <laughs> Uh, yeah. you know, and so these, these were beautiful things. Uh, and, and in writing this book, that's exactly what I'm striving for. Okay, there are those, as I mentioned earlier in the program, there are those rigid, dogmatic individuals that believe in their Bible or their Quran or whatever they believe in that are not going to be moved, that uh, are not going to fade from the picture until generation or two comes and they make their transition. But there is a way, way wider uh, spread of light where people have left their religions because they're not getting anything out of it. And they don't know where to go. They're looking for some degree of of love, some degree of spirituality, some degree of direction. And this is what we're looking to, uh, to affect. In my book, for example, there are going to be people like yourself uh, and others who will accept these concepts with a, oh yeah, sure, of course, that's, that's completely right. But there are people in the middle, millions and millions of people who are looking for this very issue. They're looking something they're looking for something to hang their hat on that brings light into their life, 
that gives them peace of mind, peace of heart, and puts them in a position to make a difference in the world. So while uh, Caesar, if you will, is loud and boisterous, the way to deal with that is to disengage, not fight it, but to simply walk away from it and let it die of its own accord. Uh, th that is not going to happen easily. I'm sure there will be a struggle involved at some point, but I don't think it's that far away. I think that uh, the sustainability of Caesar's world is crumbling. And well, yeah. the, you know, the accessibility of this new world that speaks of light, love, humanity, a brotherhood, sisterhood, and let's work together because it benefits us all. That's what's coming into the picture. And one more note on that. Mm -hmm. The pandemic is a perfect example of the beginning of such a, an action. Because in order to deal with that, we are going to have to come up with a global solution. And this is gonna require that humanity in some regard, at some level, works together for the benefit of all. We can't cure the people in the United States and not cure Canada. We can't cure the people in the United States and not cure Mexico, because it's not to our advantage. We'll just get reinfected again uh, from that standpoint. We have to work together. And I believe that to a certain extent, uh, that's what's in play right now. Well, and of course, there's also uh, a lot of talk today about uh, uh, this aspect of um, India. Uh, that is experiencing a big resurgence due to various factors. <clears throat> and uh, some are saying that this ain't going away anytime in the near future. We're talking years, simply because you have, you have two almost diametrically opposed concepts, and, and they're born out here in America. And I've talked about this before. Uh, you have the constitutionalists who believe, uh, not wrongly, not rightly, just they do believe that they have the constitutional right based upon the First Amendment to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, whatever they want. But then there's also uh, elements of our preamble and our Declaration of Independence that speak to, um, <clears throat> to promoting the general welfare and preserving the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. And I always have, and I've been raising this question to people who are the individualists. And again, I'm not passing judgment. I'm asking people to contemplate this. How do you balance your individual rights with your children's future without a concerted effort on everyone's part to preserve, to promote the general welfare and preserve whatever it is that we have for future generations. We have no future generations. Why are you procreating? If you are more interested in your rights, why are you continuing to have children? And again, I'm not passing judgment. I'm asking the question to be pondered. What is the answer? And I'm not asking you, Anthony. I'm not asking you to give me the answer. <laughs> I'm just saying, people, look, we have got to open our eyes, our ears. We've got to open our hearts and our minds um, and, and, and start considering what is it that we want? You know, we talk about a life's purpose. You seem to be living your life's purpose. Would I be wrong in that? Not at all. So does our country... The last time we had 
if you will, a, a national purpose, I believe, I personally believe the last time was the, the 1960s, the decade of the moon landing set forth by Kennedy. Now, some would say, oh, it was 9-11. Yeah, well, that was brought about by a tragic event. I'm not talking about that kind of unification. The entire globe was on pins and needles with Apollo 11, then Apollo 13 that had the problems, never got out of, never, never got there, had to turn around and come back. Um, that's what I'm talking about. W what do we want? You know? It's got to come down to, and unfortunately, I, I feel that crisis is the mother of invention here. When crisis comes into the picture, politics are going to have to take a backseat to the future of humanity. Yeah. Do we exercise our free will speech and go down with the ship? Or do we put ourselves in a position to join together for the betterment of all the uh, human beings that are on the planet? India is a perfect example, as you mentioned. Uh, I think it's almost, if, if it hasn't beaten China yet, it's close to the second most populous planet on the world. What good is it to cure China and not cure India? Mm -hmm. What good is it uh, for this uh, dance of these uh, individualistic uh, constitutionalists, which I think is a wonderful document, and I believe in the Bill of Rights, but I also believe that uh, we owe a debt to future generations and we're wiping the planet out as, uh, as we go forward. We're not laying down a wonderful future. I have three children uh, and uh, I have a, a daughter who's 19. Um, and I, I fear for the time when she's 30 or 40 as, as at the rate we're going. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I really do feel that this pandemic has come along at an opportune time. And I, I don't mean that in a, negative way because i certainly feel for the people who have, are not here any longer yes but if it means that because of this we are able to find some degree of unity as a people as a planet uh and find a way to unite past the lines of, of the nationalistic lines which are killing us these imaginary lines drawn on the surface of the planet saying this land is mine that land is yours and don't you come over here because we're going to hurt you okay mm -hmm. what what where's the the humanity in that mm -hmm. so again uh there are people that will disagree with me i i completely understand but yeah. from my point of view when crisis hits the point to where we have no choice we either die or we unify. That's the, 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 that's, that's the junction. I've often thought that if the uh, planet Earth were ever to hold a seminar, uh, the one subject that th this planet would be the best at holding a seminar on would be crisis management. Yep. Rather than prevention, we'll wait for the disaster and then we'll manage that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I know. Well, I'll tell you what, that's one of the reasons why we want to stay focused on what is really important. And that is this spiritual journey through the heart 
of the universe, which is starting with each one of us. And Anthony, Anthony, Teresi, I thank you so much for sharing this time with us and uh, giving us uh, so much time here on the program. Uh, I, I, I love talking about these things uh, and, and sharing with our listeners as well. <clears throat> I know it, it, it almost sounds platitudin, uh, platitudinist. <laughs> I've just created a new word Okay. Uh, to say I want to change the world, but I do, but I don't want to change the world at the expense of others. I want this world to be changed for everyone so that everybody can thrive. Uh, I, I thought I had created another new word when I used this phrase. We want to move from survival to thrival. And it turns out it's in the dictionary. Thrival, that is. Uh, but that's what we want. That's, that's what we want. What, you know, and we can do it. And, and we're not talking about a utopia here. We're always going to have challenges, especially if you if you want to talk about the weather. But I won't even talk about climate change. My main thing is, shouldn't we just clean this place up? I mean, come on, let's just clean this place up. You know, yeah. uh, that's all. That's it. I, I, I don't don't even talk to me about climate change. Clean up the place get the plastics out of the water get the pollutants out of the water and out of the air and out of the land and there's a wonderful wonderful line from a beautiful irish song and the line goes you do not own the land the land owns you and That's that so is true. truer than you can think uh i would venture that if it weren't really investigated sinkholes for example they just didn't happen miraculously something was removed from underneath that caused the sinkhole so and i say removed uh so uh that's something to consider and ponder anthony anthony uh teresi the book rippling waves the title of the book anthonyteresi.com and again it's a spiritual journey through the heart of the universe i thank you again for joining us i do have three more questions, three final questions that I'd like to ask you. But first, I need to let our listeners know you listening and watching on YouTube and uh, on SoundCloud and uh, on the live stream at richarddugan.com that we're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, other locations that you are posting our interviews to. Thank you for doing that. We also hope you'll go to YouTube where you can watch these interviews. Richard Dugan and Tell Me Your Story. Just look for the guy with the hat. And uh, also... Support us if you can. We have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours uh, in terms of uh, financial contributions. Any amount is welcome. We'll take energetic, vibrational support as well to uh, take us forward uh, from uh, a day to day, week to week, month to month, and year to year. And remember to spend time going within. Now, I bet you there's an area where we could have spent quite a bit of time on too, Anthony, in terms of uh, uh, sort of quieting the mind a little bit uh, away from a lot of the stuff we talked about here at the end of the program uh, and, and just relax, calm yourself. It's going to be okay. We are immortal. And this is but a temporary, less than a puff of smoke in the grand scheme of things experience. Uh, 
that we will be moving on from. So just take that time. I hope you will during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s. My first of three questions is, who is Anthony Teresi? Anthony Teresi is the name that has been given to this being who traverses uh, this lifespan on this planet. Uh, I don't identify with my name. I identify with my spiritual identity. I am a being of love, creativity, compassion, and I'm here to make a difference in the world. Second question, and these questions uh, may have been answered during the interview. I do like to ask them pointedly. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? A little while ago, I made reference to the span of individuals that are in between the acceptable, uh, those who accept these metaphysical truths uh, that I'm speaking of because they have had their own experiences and those who will never accept. In between that span is this shade of light of individuals that are looking for hope, inspiration, and direction. My hope is that somewhere along the way, these people will pick up this book, find that inspiration, understand that there are greater realities and that the lifestyle that they're living does not have to be determined by what they see on NBC. And finally, what is your life's purpose? <laughs> My life's purpose, aside from what I've already explained, has been the mastery of my own uh, reticent spirit, uh, my own uh, maverick uh, instinct to be able to take that energy and focus it and improve the quality of my spiritual reality in this lifetime, in this arena, in this moment on this planet. That's why I'm here. And everything that I've made reference to refers to that. It filters back in and puts me in a position to clear and elevate my own personal spirit, my own personal journey. AnthonyTeresi.com is the website. Anthony Teresi, author of Rippling Waves. It's a spiritual journey through the heart of the universe. And we certainly hope that we all can join in taking that journey together. Uh, you can start individually. Go to his website. Pick up a copy of his book. I think you'll be quite intrigued. Again, I thank you again, Anthony, for joining us. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, Giving You Choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lull.